really big day in my life. I don't know whether you realise how big a day it was for me. But uh, yesterday, we actually gave away the lounge suite that I grew up with. <laughs> it was huge. It was a big day. I'm not sure how holy it was, but... Uh, I've had a lounge suite that I actually grew up with. It's been a lounge suite since I was a little child. Uh, it's a lounge suite that's been in my family all that way through. My parents, uh, when we got married, gave it to Karina and I. It's been in our home. I've slept on that couch. I've all, lots of stuff. Uh, that couch has been part of our family for such a long period of time. And yesterday, I packed it onto the back of a ute and sent it down to Sydney to Lachlan. How's that for you? It'll hopefully stay in the family for a lot longer yet. Alexander may get it. It may get passed on. You never know. But it's a great couch. Uh, some friends of Lachlan yesterday were on their way back down from Byron Bay and uh, one of the guys that's going to be living with Lachlan was on his way down and so they picked up the couch, uh, the lounge suite, the couch in the two chairs, packed it on. And as we were putting it on and uh, we were talking about it, one of the guys, one of Lachlan's friends said to me, well, this is really good that you're able to give this away. I said, you know, we're only on this earth for a short time. We're only passing through. We've got to hold on to things lightly. And I was actually being true. It was actually heartfelt that uh, this couch, though, that has been part of my family for a long period of time. Uh, it's made out of uh, Tasmanian blackwood arms. It's got beautiful cushioning. It's probably one of the most comfortable couches ever. It's sentimental value to me. But... We gave it away. But that's true, isn't it? We are actually only passing through this world. And really, we need to hold on to the things of this world lightly. And that's what last week was about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. We actually learnt last week that this is not our home. That our home is in eternity with Jesus. That our home is safe and secure and kept for us by God. And it's possible for us to be in that home in eternity because of Jesus. And so therefore, here and now, we are aliens, we are strangers in the world around us. In one sense, because of our belief and because of how we live, we are going to be different to the world. And because of how we live and our beliefs, we only hold on to this stuff here on this earth lightly. Uh, it can be important and we can do good things here, but in the end, it's only part of what is more important is our eternity in Jesus. And that's what we need to hold on to tightly. But only things here and now lightly. And so what we're going to do today is, knowing that, uh, Peter goes on in the next part of the chapter, he says, because this is not your home, guys, your home is in eternity with me, safe and secure, being made safe because of Jesus, how, are you live to, how should you live now? And that's what he's going to talk about now in chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 13 through to chapter 2, verse 3. We're actually going to spend two weeks in this area of 1 Peter. This week we're going to be looking at that we are a distinctive community that we together are to live in a distinctive way in this world. Uh, next week we're going to be looking at how we look at how we care for one another within this world. Uh, so open up your Bibles, have a look at one chapter, chapter, let's get it right, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 and Ted's going to come up and read that for us and he's going to go from 1 13 through to chapter 2 verse 3. Keep your Bibles open after he's read because we'll be looking at that together. Set your hope fully on the grace uh, to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in a reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you redeemed the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have been purified, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. We have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander and every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thanks, Ted. Let's ask God to help us understand this passage as we think about it and how it applies to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for your word, uh, that it is an enduring word that doesn't perish but continues to to go on forever. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that your word, though written uh, here almost um, a bit over 2,000 years ago, Lord, has impact and import for us, Lord, that it touches our hearts today and uh, teaches us and encourages us, Lord, and challenges us and moves us, Lord, to want to live for you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so if you remember last week we started, if you read through 1 Peter, he starts off a lot, doesn't he, like uh, we are strangers in this world. And if you look down again in verse uh, 17, he says, uh, Since you call on the Father who is impartial, you live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Uh, Peter is writing to a group of people who are living in a place that don't think the same as them, who don't live the same as them, and so he's encouraging them how to live in that world. And that's the same for you and I, isn't it? Uh, Last week we saw, as we thought about it, that we actually live in a post-Christian nation. Uh, That can't be said for every part of the world, but a lot of the world is that way. Europe is even further down the track than us. They've actually almost completely disregarded their Christian heritage. But we've still got little bits of it, but in other senses it's almost completely gone, hasn't it? When we speak to people out there these days about the different things that are going on, they've almost got a completely different worldview to the Christian worldview. Uh, They don't see life as we see it anymore. Uh, The concept of marriage at the moment, as you look in the, the papers, and if you read the articles and you read people's responses to them, you think, don't think I've got that concept of marriage at all. But that's the way it is, isn't it? That works out in lots of things. That works out even in regards to honesty, if you see these days. Uh, Honesty is often very relative. Uh, You ask how many people these days are downloading stuff off the internet when they're not supposed to. 
when it's actually illegal. I don't know, it's okay, you know, it's, it's all right, you know, it's, it's fine. Everyone does it. The, the program's there, you can use it, it's available. It's all changing, isn't it? Uh, the world around us is changing and the Christian culture that we lived up in where honesty, truth, love, hope, those sorts of things, in one sense, have been degraded and have been taken away from us. So how do we live in that? How are we as people, as followers of Jesus, uh, people who've been born into a new hope, a new hope, a new inheritance, Peter says to us, to live in it. Well, I want us to say this morning that we are to be living as distinctive communities within it. You see what Peter says? Look what he says. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you want to ask, what's it there for? It's therefore because it's saying something of what's happened in the past. So he says, because of who you are, because of what you have in Jesus, because of your eternal inheritance, he says, therefore, gird up your loins. It doesn't actually say that there, does it? But that's what he means. He says, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Uh, The literal translation is to gird up your loins. Uh, It's a picture. Uh, If you had been living back in those days, this would have been a picture of uh, a gentleman, a person uh, in the street wearing a dress because they used to wear dresses back then. It's not a new phenomenon. They used to wear dresses back then. Uh, and what they would do is when they got ready for action, because blokes never ran normally, but when they wanted to run, what they would do is they'd pick up their skirt, they'd pick it up through their legs, they'd tuck it into their belt at the top and they'd be ready to run. So they'd gird up their loins. They're getting their legs ready to go, to run. They're prepared. Uh, if you read The Prodigal Son and you, the story of the father who runs out and greets his son, same thing. He tucks it up, he gets ready and he's off. So that's what that's about. It's saying we need to be prepared, we need to be ready, we need to be girding our lines, we need to be on our marks, ready to go, ready to run, to do what? He says. He says there, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. We are to be ready to be obedient children of God, to follow Jesus so that you and I are distinctive in the world around us. You see, the passage here, holy so that I am holy, comes from Leviticus. And in Leviticus, what uh, God is saying to his people is he's setting out all these things. It's hard to read Leviticus, isn't it, if you've ever tried it? Uh, It's got all these rules and regulations and it goes through and you think, what on earth is all this about? Well, what it is, is God setting up his people to live in his land so that they are distinctive to every other nation around them. That they are distinctive to them, that they look different to the nations around them because they have a God who loves them. And that they are to be holy like he is holy so that the nations around them see that and the nations around them are attracted to that. To see what God is like. Because this God is the God, the true God, the one true God, the God that is going to bring about change in the world, the God that loves his people and wants people to come to know him and worship him and be his people. And so he says that to the people in Leviticus, to the nation of Israel, and now he says that to you and me. He says, we now, those who trust in Jesus, those who know Jesus, are now God's community. We are his nation, in a sense, in the world that's around us 
And we too are to be like Israel to the nations. We are to show how good God is. That we are to show how holy he is and how wonderful he is and how distinct he is by being distinctive ourselves to being holy people. And how can we be holy people? Well, we can't do it ourselves, can't we? Uh, as Lynn said in the children's talk, there's nothing, we do things wrong, we can't be by ourselves. The only way that we are made holy is through Jesus. That he transforms us and changes us and he takes away our sin and he makes us holy. But what we are to do now in this world is to be, live as people who show resemblance to him, as obedient children to him. That we are to be people who live lives that resemble how good God is. Uh, I don't know, have any of you been ambassadors before in uh, any time in your life? Uh, maybe that you're a prefect at school or you represented your uh, team somewhere or you had to go somewhere to be the representative of that organisation. Quite often I have to go to different things for that. Uh, I'm the PNC president at school and so often I have to go to things and represent our school and be an ambassador for our school at certain things. And ambassadors are people who, first and foremost, have their loyalty with whatever organisation they're at, aren't they? So if I'm an ambassador to Evans River K-12, then my loyalty is there. So whenever I go anywhere, I want to say how good our school is, but also I want to get as much as good as I can for our school as well. Uh, in a sense, that's what we are to be. Ambassadors for God in our community around us. Our home our loyalty is with God and who he is and what he is like. But we want to live in our community. We want people to see how good he is and we want those people to want to know that and see that and want that as well. For them to be wanting to say, hey, I want what they've got. Because there's something distinctive about them. They're distinctive in what they do. And so we are to be like ambassadors. Uh, we are to be like people who represent our family, people who represent our Heavenly Father, like Lynn said. I don't know about you, but uh, some people, when you look at them and you look at their children, they look almost exactly the same, don't they? They're a great representation of their family. But not only may they do that in looks, but they want to do that in character. Our next-door neighbours, not at the moment, but our next-door neighbours before, uh, had a, a father called Ben and a son called Jack. And whenever Ben was around, then Jack did almost exactly what Ben did. Uh, he used to wear the same stubby shorts and the same blue uh, tank top. He used to stand the same way. He used to talk the same way. And he used to have the same love of trucks like his father did too. He'd be talking about them all the time. There's this little three-year-old talking about diggers and dozers and the way that they worked and how they went. He was an exact representation of his father. It was amazing. That's what it's saying for us here, that we are to be in a representation of our Heavenly Father, that we too are to be holy like he is holy, that we are to be distinctive like he is distinctive so that we can not only show how good God is but also attract people to that so they want to come to know him. And you know what our key distinctive is to be? Well, look over the page. Uh, verses 17 through to 22 again reinforce to us how we are part of that family, that we are part of that family because of Jesus, that no other way, 
as Lynn said in the children's talk, as we sang in the, in the song, one way, Jesus, there's no other way to be part of God's family, to have that new home than Jesus. You don't get it through going to church. You don't get it because your family had it. You don't get it just because you tick boxes. You don't get it even if you pray. You don't get it even if you read the Bible. You get it if you trust and know Jesus. All those other things add to it, don't they? But it's only through Jesus. It says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, verse 20, but it was revealed in those last times for your sake. Through you, through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God all because of Jesus. It's him and him alone. And what's the key distinctive that we are to have? Look at verse 22 says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. You see, our distinctive, how we are holy, how we are obedient to Jesus is shown by the way that we love one another. So often we think, is it distinctive because I go to Bible study during the week because I read my Bible more often than not? Is it because I pray more than other people? Is it because I've got a theological degree more than other people? Is it because I've been in ministry longer than other people? No. None of those things, is it? Now some of those things can be good and helpful, but what is it? What is the key distinctive? He says, now that you prove yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply. This isn't surface love, isn't it? This isn't that you're just, you're just nice to one another. This isn't just that you come up and give one another a pat on the back and say, how are you going today? This is sincere, deep love. Because this is the love that God has for you and I. Often when you see love in the Bible, it's often contrast to hypocrites or hypocritical. So if you look down to verse uh, chapter 2, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, every kind. They are the opposite of sincere, deep love. Sincere. It's real. It's not just that we speak about it, but we actually love one another. It's not just that we speak about it, but not... And it's not just that we uh, know that, but we actually do that. And it's an emotional thing. That, you know, in some ways there's going to be times and places when we annoy each other to the pits. There's times when we just think, how can that person possibly be like that? But this says to us that we've got to love them deeply. It's not a service love. It's not just whether they, we get on with them well. It's not whether we just like the looks of them. It's not whether we actually speak, whether they speak the same language with us or come from the same background of us. It's because they love Jesus and we love them deeply because of that. It's not just because we're in the same club together. It's not because we do the same bowls together. It's not because we do the same surfing together. It's because we love Jesus and we love deeply because of that. You see, that's our distinctive. That is supposed to be our distinctive. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge for us to think, how do we sincerely, not hypocritically, how do we deeply, not surfacely, love one another? Uh, the other night at Growth Group, we were talking about 
sort of along these sort of lines in one sense and we're saying how in the community there are people who do show love to one another and people in the community who show love to us too and we were talking about how some people were providing meals for someone in our group and we thought isn't that great that that's the case it's a good thing but we are to be people who are even more distinctive in that it's not that we want to be in competition with them it's not that we want to say well they've given three meals to them we need to give four because that's not what it's about, is it? It's about saying, how can we deeply love one another? How do we spend time with one another? How do we get to know one another so we can love one another deeply? And you know, we can't do that on a big scale particularly well, can we? On the big scale, we can do that to a degree. You can love a lot of people a little. You can love a little people a lot. So that's why in one sense, the growth groups is where that happens in the most... Focused, I suppose. We want to do that well all together. We want to do that most focused in the growth groups because that's our smaller groups, isn't it? That's where we are to love one another deeply and well and to take it that step further. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly how the little things you do. You just need to... How do you know how to love someone? Well, you know how to love someone when you know them well. When you know them well, you know what they need to be loved with and how they can be loved. So we need to know one another well. We need to spend time with one another so we can love one another well and deeply. Because that's how we are to be distinctive, guys. A distinctive community, a holy community, is a community that love one another sincerely and deeply. And a distinctive community does that is a missional community. It reaches out to other people. Have they caught up to me yet on the screen? <laughs> Click down a few guys, because uh, I've gone nowhere near my notes. So go back one, mate, go back one. Go back. Go back again. Go back one more. There it is. Uh, this is great missional power in distinctive communities. You see, because I don't know if you notice, but people do desire community. That's why we have clubs. That's why there are clubs around, because people want to be with other people. Uh, I think it's what God has put inside us, that we desire to have that. We desire to be around people who we like and who we feel connected to, who love us and care for us. In a sense, we have something in common with them. And that's, that's why we have those out there. But we are not a club. We are far greater than that. We are people who love Jesus and who are loved by Jesus. And we are called to be obedient to Jesus and to be holy people. And when we do that, we are called to be people who sincerely love one another deeply. And when we do that, then we become distinctive. And we hit our community, our community sees that, and then they are going to say, I want what they've got. And when they want what they've got, we can tell them, well, your way to have that is when you know Jesus and you join his community. And his community is a community that takes that and runs with that. And is a community in the end that goes past this community into an eternal community that lasts for eternity. Jump down to the next one. So I reckon there's four commitments that we could have out of today's passage. We're going to be looking at this passage again next week on another different level. We're going to look at how the Word uh, takes that and guides that and directs that. But let me say four, four commitments I think we should be as a distinctive community. We need to be committed... Commitment to being a distinctive community that loves God by being obedient to Jesus. We need to start thinking about how do our lives match the life of Jesus? 
Do we have that family resemblance? Do we live in the way that he would live? Do we have the same values as him? Do we have the same desires as him? Do we have the same uh, focus as him? We need people of commitment to being distinctive community, community who loves one another deeply because Jesus loved us beyond compare and we had to love one another the same way he loved us. That's the commitment to being a distinctive community that loves our community around us. Now we're going to look at that a lot more in the coming weeks because when we look at 1 Peter, we're going to see how Peter says that you do your good work so that the people in the community will want to know about Jesus. He talks about that. Have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 and 1, chapter Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3 as well. And look at how Peter is encouraging the guys that are out there who are strangers and aliens in this world to be people who live such good lives, such loving lives, that people out there want to know about that. And finally, that we are to be committed to being a distinctive community that welcomes in the community. You see, when God set down to be holy like I am holy to the nation of Israel, it wasn't so that the nations out there would stay out, so that the nations out there would come to know this God who is holy. You see, we have been brought into a community through Jesus not just so that we can be nice and comfortable in and of ourselves, but we are to be a community that says and reaches out to that community so that they come in and know the God who is holy as well. You know, when we do that, then that is holy stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the challenge we've had this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are holy and that, Lord, we cannot approach you but apart from Jesus. We thank you that in Jesus we can uh, and we are made holy by you, Lord. Uh, we're not perfect yet, but you are doing a work within us and one day we will stand before you and we too will be holy like you, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus, Lord. We pray that uh, in this time while we're here and now, that, Lord, you will encourage us and you'll work with us and you'll change us and transform us by your Spirit, Lord, to be people who are distinctive, that we are a distinctive community, that we are a distinctive family and that distinctive is seen so clearly in the way that we love one another and we love the community around us. Lord, help us to do that and we can only do that with your strength and with your help and through your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.